Welcome to the big kickoff. It's the 10th of May. It's our Zoom chat. We have a lot to talk about. And we, I suppose we better start with the Premier League. The Premier League's project restart hasn't had as smooth a start as the Premier League officials would have liked. Watford have now joined Aston Villa and Brighton to oppose Premier League neutral venue proposals. And while these three clubs are now the, probably only three clubs at the moment who, to make opposition to the proposal, it is understood others have similar feelings. It comes down to, uh, as the Brighton chairman says, they're used to the pitch size, they're used to the dressing rooms, they're used to the training ground, which is its pitches are the same size as their stadiums, and their general match day routines. Dave, are neutral venues fair and are they really needed? Oh, Roy. <laughs> uh, I wish I never looked into this today because it just sucked the life out of me. <laughs> it's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, basically, it's all kicking off again. It's all ramped up over the last couple of days because they've a meeting tomorrow. So the first rumour I've seen on one of the websites today is that the big six are going to start flexing their muscle a little bit more tomorrow to try and hammer a home because it looks like the bottom six or the people who want it kind of ended now are kind of winning the battle at the minute. So... I think from tomorrow it could get, get a bit interesting because by all accounts they're going to start firing back and trying to really get to the bottom of what they're going to do. But in relation to the, let's call them bottom six, even though it's only two or three of them that are getting vocal at the minute. Yeah, Brighton, I think his name is Barber, has been on for the last week or two saying, saying the same thing as Watford's chairman, Scott Duxbury, who was yesterday um, basically explaining the reasons why they bet Liverpool in February was because of the home advantage, the fans, everything going their way and it happens more in the Premier League than it does in any of the other big leagues, hence why people prefer the Premier League for that reason and that gets taken away if this happens, blah, 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 which, uh, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. But it's obvious it's not going to happen and it's obvious it's going behind closed doors. But I, I understand this point, but when the police come in and say, we can't police all the grounds, this is our suggestion, in order for us to be able to get involved and in order for to, the league to be up and running, here's what we suggest and here's what we can do. So it's a bit of both where safety reasons, you have to kind of go a bit more with what they say compared to what the other chair, what the chairman say. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Yeah, the football inside of it, it's perfectly obvious why the advantage of being at home, but at the same time, the advantage of being at home in, in a closed ground is, I don't think it's going to be much bigger or it's going to be much of that big of an advantage if if you were to play your home games in the neutral ground. But anyway, there was also <clears throat> other rumours yesterday that, I don't know who said it, but they were kind of saying, oh, Liverpool could ruin the integrity of the, the league if they wrap up the, 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 the title in the first two games and then they start playing the kids and stuff. And obviously it was somebody in the bottom six said it because Liverpool still have to play Villa and Brighton. So they're just ramping up different ideas and rumours. Karen, uh, Karen Brady was out saying, how are we going to disinfect the pitches without ruining them? Because they're literally just grabbing everything possible now and really gathering momentum before the big meet tomorrow. Yeah. But some clubs have said that they would be interested in playing on neutral venues if relegation was taken away. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thoughts well, on that? Well, <laughs> listen, like we said on this show a couple of times, and unfortunately it probably wasn't here last week, as we all know, <laughs> no decision is going to be agreed by all 20 clubs so obviously the bottom six are going to jump at that the top six are the the rest of the 14 
mightn't be as bothered. But I'm sure then there's uh, three come up. So 20, 70. So I'm sure 69 clubs will have a problem with it. Yeah. If the three go up and it's, or sorry, three go up. Well, yeah, 23. Actually, only two go up. So yeah, it'll be 70 clubs will have a problem with it if they only let two up. So uh, yeah, it'd be great for the bottom six that they did. That's, that's, what, that's their bargaining chip. We'll do it if you don't stop. And that's what they're doing. And they're getting their ducks in a row. So I think from tomorrow will definitely be interesting. Although, ironically, I was watching um, one of the many Zoom chats there is. The, the Red Dumps have got involved on Sky One on Friday night, where it was Harry and Jamie doing a bit of uh, interviews with different people. And they had uh, Troy Deeney and Mark Noble on because Watford were due to play West Ham this weekend. And they had like a bit of a challenge. And they were both asked about it. And they both said unequivocally, they want to play no matter what. And Mark Noble quite clearly said it, considering he's in the bottom six, name Watford. They're like, yeah, we want to get back. He said it's, he said we have to get this season finished. He think, and what did he say? He said I think it'd be morally wrong if the likes of Liverpool weren't handed the title and other different aspects of the league that went on. So these are guys that are in the bottom six, and these are the players. So it's interesting that their opinion compared to what their chairman or or board members are saying. So yeah, very much watch this space tomorrow. Although ironically as well, uh, three players have now been tested positive from Brighton since they've come back training. So. All of this talk could completely go out the window if, if that starts ramping up more. Yeah. Uh, the Football League chairman, Rick Perry, warned the Premier League against scrapping relegation uh, unless yeah. they wanted to be involved in a messy legal battle. So yeah. there's, <laughs> you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It's a, it's, it's a mess. It's as simple as that. And like, it's all opinion at the moment and there's no meat in anything. And uh, tomorrow really needs to come out with something very definitive um and a lot of people aren't going to like it some people are going to love it it's just the way it is but they just they need to hurry up and make a decision properly truly properly and 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 this is it that's the way it is whether it's good bad or different for anybody because all the other big uh, leagues have made that decision and it's it's time to do it it's time to as they say should i get off the pot and and say exactly what you're doing yeah nathan dave pushed on a point there about liverpool there are fears that Liverpool could ruin the integrity of the league is as if they win the league within a couple of games uh, like they did at Christmas. They'll throw the kids back out because there's an immediate season going to be following this. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I think it's a pretty, pretty valid point. I think it's something that could uh, realistically happen, couldn't it? If they pick up the league pretty early, like it's, it's going to be the natural decision to put out the younger lads and rest some of your more senior, experienced players for like cup games, the Champions League, and stuff like that. But pretty much similar to what Dave said, like it's such an unprecedented situation we find ourselves in that like, any decision that's going to be made, it's going to upset somebody. Yeah. It's going to upset more than one, more than one party. Yeah, it's going to upset several. So I think it really, really like you can't just keep walking on eggshells at the moment. Like a decision has to be firmly made, or something has to be put into motion just just to get things get things by the point. But to get the ball back rolling, something has to be put in motion uh, by tomorrow. Well, in the meeting tomorrow. Yeah, Peter. This week is a busy and important week for Project Restart. The government meetings, which are going to talk to me about now in a second, and the announcement if and when football can start. There's meetings between Premier League clubs. There's talks on Tuesday between the players and the managers. And on the 25th of May, UEFA's deadline for restart proposals needs to be met. So, 
listen, talk to us. Talk, uh, I suppose the FIFA medical committee, their opinion is that football shouldn't start until September. So mm. there's a lot of people vying for it, obviously money-wise, and medical people are probably saying don't go back too soon. So yeah. what, are, what have the English government been saying, Peter? Well, it... <laughs> I think the other guys have summed it up. It's all a bit of a mess at the moment and no one seems to know what the answer is. It's a simple answer, really, Roy. Um, I think more than anything, um, what's happened in the last couple of days, I think Dave mentioned it earlier, that Brighton have announced uh, earlier today that uh, yet another one of their players, unfortunately, has uh, proved uh, positive uh, for COVID-19. Um, and, you know, who's to say the other clubs could well be in the same situation and I think medically wise as, as I think I mentioned more than on one or two occasions uh, on the podcast here that football is going to be no different to any other sport they're going to be guided by medical science it's as simple as that I mean it is getting nasty with this, this premier restart as such project restart as you said what was it 25th of May they're talking about now well let's face it that's only what's it virtually two weeks away now, can the Premier League come up with some solution in the next two weeks? I mean, if they do, uh, as the guys were saying previously, it, it's going to be a situation that will favour some and probably not favour a lot of other clubs more than anything. But I still maintain, and it seems to be getting worse over the last few days, that the, the vital point of all of this really has got to be player safety, mm. um, medical in particular. You know. It, we're hearing about Brighton, like I mentioned earlier, having another player being positive, tested as being positive. Um, if we, if they do start getting into this, um, eventually, okay, you're going to play on neutral venues, but you're going to have to spend all this money uh, having tests available. The, the players are going to have to be isolated and all sorts of situations mm -hmm. and everything else. Um, you know, realistically, I, I appreciate. It's a big business. The Premier League, as I said before, is a massive business. And, but the real big issue has got to be player safety. It's as simple as that. And I'm still of the opinion that I still think a lot of players are very, very wary about coming back. Um, you forget about all the testings and everything else, etc. I still think in the back of their minds, they will be, a lot of them will be very, very wary of physically getting back on a pitch. Uh, uh, you know, forget about the neutral venue side of it. Forget about the fact that you're going to have to play it behind closed doors. There'd be no atmosphere, etc. But they're still going to have this thought in the back yeah. of their mind about we at any time could possibly come into contact with somebody with this virus. And hopefully if they did, it would only be a mild form of it. But and as I said Peter. before, God help it, if it wasn't a mild form. And that is... A, I still think that's a big worry. And I still think that that's why the medical officers and people like that, etc., I think will eventually have the key issue in this by far and away. Mm. I think they're going to have the final say. Go yeah, so Yeah, so, you know, it's just kind of backing up um, Peter's comment there about the players. They're starting to come a bit more vocal. And Cantwell was uh, from Norwich. The young kind of player who's kind of come, come, um, come to fruition this year. He kind of came out within about half an hour, an hour of today's tour uh, results for Brighton, that it's uh, just a very simple one-liner, we're people too. So mm. I'm sure he's not on his own in that sense. So I'd say he's definitely one of the ones where 
yeah, they'd all want to come back, but within reason. Um, so they 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 could seriously play a part in it too. Yeah, and I suppose yeah. the, the the other side to that is, and this is why it's been pushed so much, is that it was reported on Friday that clubs will be warned that the season not restarting could cost them more than it would getting relegated. So they're putting well, pressure on the clubs to let them know that this is that this is important that they play. Yeah, and again, that push pressure on the players. Uh, you said Brighton have announced their third third case. Well, everyone was looking to Germany. Dave, as yeah, a yeah. positive and a, a hope towards the footballing return. Game one is only a week away and Dynamo Dresden have their entire yeah. squad and staff in isolation due to, I think it's two of their players testing po- right. positive for the coronavirus. They're already going to miss now their first game back mm-hmm. because they don't have the players there. So... Uh, this happens with the Premier League. It could be stop, start, stop, start, and then you're rolling into a new season, and yeah. it could very well be the same for the first while in the new season. It's they're gonna have to do some thinking about next season. I know we talked about this before, but to finish this season might last longer than they even think. Yeah, and then obviously, I suppose I hope they're the, the two months now, probably sitting around having chats. Hopefully they're planning actually what way are we going to do the 2020-2021 season are we going to do maybe yeah. just one round of fixtures are we going to try and do 38 games are we like exactly like that's going to really be because it's not starting in the start of August like it usually is so I'm surprised nothing's come out about that as well like because obviously they're so obsessed with getting this season done and getting their hands on uh, the pot that's sitting there so it, I, that, that's obviously next on the agenda that we're going to have to talk about but yeah there's 10 cases now in Germany um, 11 in Italy 5 in Spain 3 in Portugal 2 in Turkey so it's going to like obviously we've 3 here in England and there's probably going to be more it, it, it's just we're desperate for some sport as we all are we're desperate for it but not to this extent and it's getting to that point where it's like yeah, I'll watch the old stuff for a while, lads. Just give it a rest, almost for me personally, yeah. because it's um, yeah, I, I, and and I'm a Liverpool fan who desperately wants us to get our hands on that bloody trophy. But yeah. at this stage, I'm I'm quite happy to sit back and say if it's not happening, it's not happening. I can I can move on. Yeah, and and with Germany, since the easing of the lockdown restrictions, according to Robert uh, Coach Institute, the number of infections. Mm is now rising in the country and we all yeah. know that the term it's over the, the the number of one infection i think it's 1.2 or something like that so it's risen from 0.5 to 1.2 so uh, this is with us i think for a while yeah. so i don't yeah. think there is an easy solution i think we'll move just, on, um, the, on just a quick one right and because uh, i actually seen it again remember i asked last week about paulo dybala and it was like he's tested positive four times in six weeks so He's had it for about six weeks, yet we're all told it's gone within two weeks. And I suppose these lads in Germany, like I, I'm not sure about the guys in Brighton, but the lads in Germany that we first heard last week in Cologne, like they'd no symptoms, they felt perfectly normal. Like they could be sitting mm. in our body for weeks on end and we don't know. Like So yeah. we're still learning this disease. So mm. it almost just proves the point to potentially like, yeah, put it on ice, lads. But just to finish it, Dave, yeah, is, is there a case to say, listen... We need to look at what way we're living life. We need to do our, you know, make sure we ha- we, we're two metres away, that 
everyone follows the rules and do we just have to get on with it now at some stage but there will be a stage where you just have to get on with it oh 100 percent. but it's just questions i thought of when i when, when you see the ball having it for as long as he had and then the lads with no symptoms yeah. i'd be intrigued to know how long have you had it for if they only picked it up that's fine but they could have had it for months and you're kind of going Jesus, what way is this going to work in the normal society, whatever about the wonderful world of football and everything else? So it's, if I, it's almost raising questions for me, and I'm sure people who really know what they're talking about, I hope it's raising questions with them and they're looking into it. Yeah. Because it makes me think. Okay, we'll move on from the, league, uh, the Premier League. Nathan, we'll go to League of Ireland. There has yeah. been talk in the League of Ireland of a four-team Aviva tournament for the teams in Europe and also a September starting day for the league. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, the uh, the four team tournament is going to they're looking to include Dundalk, Bohemians, Shamrock Rovers, and Derry City. That it'll be held in the Aviva Stadium as a neutral venue, which is actually pretty much that's been probably the biggest story of the week in the League of Ireland. Yeah. Now that uh, that Noel Quinn has proposed, uh, well, not proposed, he's suggested plans that the Aviva Stadium could be used as a neutral venue. Um, for this tournament and to resume the, the actual League of Ireland season come even probably before September or possibly in September that's when he's looking to to get the league back up and running in the Aviva Stadium it's um, it's, it's sort of separate it's, it's sort of split the fan base down the middle now to be honest with you I, um, it seems to suit a lot of clubs from Dublin with obviously with the Aviva Stadium being in Dublin that um, a lot of Dublin fans saying it's the best best football ground in the country it's the best facilities to, to host this tournament and to host uh, uh, plenty of League of Ireland games whenever football can get back up and running in the country that um, it also has the facilities available to, uh, to stream the games which is all which has been an option since the start which that you can stream the games and put it out as pay-per-view so fans of the club and just fans in general that want to watch a bit of live football can pay pay a fee to watch the stream and watch the game so all that will filter back into the clubs. But then obviously on the other side, you have people um, rightfully complaining about that. Um, it's a big ask for teams, not from Dublin, to be travelling up constantly, travelling up on a weekly basis to Dublin and paying these expenses and paying all this money for, team, for like, teams to travel up to Dublin and if it goes to these games, but their fans travel up and attend these games, which is understandable really, you know, like, like, like a lot of clubs will lose out, like they spend a lot of money thousands on expenses and then they lose out on um, on sponsorship deals from local businesses at the clubs themselves yeah it's uh there's been a few numbers touted they reckon it'll cost 50 grand to test all the players they want to know where the money will come for that the fei are waiting on fifa to see if there's any financial compensation forthcoming uh vinnie pert was on the the telly the other day arguing that he'll put the game back in the country about 20 years if the season is lost. Uh, you were talking about neutral venues. There was something about regional neutral venues. Yeah. So, but again, that must be just thinking about it. And your streaming, there, there is issues with the streaming as well because there is contracts in place with the FAI. Uh, yeah. Champ, who show all the games overseas and betting shops, they have a contract with them for streaming. And RT, of course, and AIR have the TV deals as well, which seemingly will cause problems with the streaming idea. Do you hear more about that? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, a lot of people think it's as simple as like going live on the social media accounts and putting out the games. 
Yeah. But there is a lot of back contracts to it. Like, with uh, Air Sports, they, they buy the rights to a lot of games. They won't be too happy. Like, I know, we, we do complain saying RTE don't show enough games. But they will want to have a quota to fail and to, to get out. But it's not really as um, as cut and dry as I think a lot of people, uh, even myself, I thought it was, would have been pretty cut and dry uh, to do, to just to put it up on a social media account of a club and just charge a fee to, to access this stream. But now it seems to be pretty uh, pretty more to it, you know, with a lot of contracts in the background and people giving out about, like I said, the 50,000, like who's going to pay all this money? And like, even they're looking to play probably two or three games a weekend in the Aviva Stadium. So they're going to be asking who's going to pay for the upkeep of the Aviva, for the upkeep of the pitch, which will it hold, will it not hold? Yeah. So there's a lot of unanswered questions, like, like many other leagues. But especially in the League of Ireland, where money at the moment is so scarce and incomes are just simply not not there at the moment. And Nathan, and Nathan t- Timley, the FAI make a couple of quid on these TV deals, and uh, I've never heard of any TV money really going to the clubs. What's do you know what's going on there? I know that um, their sports they, they pay the clubs, they pay the FAI and the clubs to uh, to get the rights to the game. Now whether it fills us down the clubs. Yeah, you, you, you do hear that the FAI do filter down money, but someone that's been that knows the league and has been involved in the league, I wouldn't imagine they filter down an awful lot. But uh, RTE don't, RTE just simply don't pay any money at all to get the rights to the games. So there was um there was a tweet I think from two weeks ago, and I it's only now that you said it. I was like, yeah, I should have took a screenshot of it. But um, John Delaney was quoted a couple of years ago, obviously, that it costs us to run the league. And then mm. somebody showed a breakdown of the finances for this year. And it turns out, like, it appears to be untrue. And it's probably going to come out in, I think they're still looking at digging out reports and, and digging into some of his kind of doings anyway. So it's going to be a bit of a watch this space on it because it looks like it brings in a little bit more money than what he would have alluded to. And he tried to break, break make it out to be a cost. But at the very least, it was breaking even, if not making small Amount I, I think I seen yeah. something on that day, but yeah. I think it, I think it was something like it made two hundred grand. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a breakdown. We'll find it. and We can put it up on the the website or something to have a look. I I definitely seen it, but it, it's it's a week or two ago now. Yeah. But certainly, it's always sort of been looked down on a bit, hasn't it? As the, the redheaded stepchild of Irish has, sports. Yes, Nathan, Nathan, did you did you hear a track chimp or a track champ? Sorry, before. <laughs> I've never heard a track champ. No, um, well, champ. Champ, I've heard it being passed around a few times that you can, um, that it's for people living abroad that you can get access to the League of Ireland games. Yeah. I can't claim to know an awful lot about it, though, to be honest. No, no, I didn't know they were getting, a, there was a contract in place, so obviously that's where the money's coming in from. All right, we'll leave it there because uh, there's, like the Premier League, there's a lot, a lot to, to get through there. I told you last week Mike Tyson's cannabis company uh, so, I said, I better, I better get some, I better get some details. Here. <laughs> yeah, last week we found out that Mike Tyson's cannabis company was was there in the first place, but was interested in both naming rights for Barcelona's new camp and jersey sponsorship with Everton Football Club. We we didn't know too much about the company last week, but now we do. Tyson has been selling selling cannabis products since 2016 through his Tyson Holistic label. He's believed to earn a half a million per month through his business, which offers marijuana strains, uh, edibles and extracts. And that's just for starters. He's also planning to build a 418 acre weed themed holiday resort. 
that <laughs> that he hopes will home to a music festival to rival Coachella and the world's <laughs> longest lazy river, all thanks to the California laws that legalize marijuana. He said, <laughs> he said it's been some of them. It's a lot of stuff has been is medicinal. I have been fighting for over twenty years, and my body has a lot of wear and tear. He's had two surgeries mm. and it's helped to take his pain away. So he also confessed that to smoking 40,000 quid's worth per month. So there you go. So now you know a little bit of the background on Mike Tyson and why he's getting out there to try and get into the, the footballing world. There was talk this week, uh, just yeah. quickly, quickly to Dave on this one, Dave. Uh, Evander Holyfield is coming out of retirement. It's for uh, he's looking for four round bites, unite for our fight campaign, which is a, a campaign to help uh, kids over in America, you know, educate mm. and things like that, just through the virus. If Mike Tyson's earning a half a million and he's confessed to smoking forty grand worth of marijuana a month, <laughs> he, might not, he might not be in the frame of mind to 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 take on Evander, really. True, but if you look on the internet over the last day or two, he's dropping the pounds like it's nobody's mm. business. He's on some meat-free diet and he's training hard. So yeah. that's what's it's ramped up the rumours. Yeah. But uh, ironically, I was watching a bit on Air Sport last night. Um, I think it's on <laughs> Tuesdays and Saturdays to show um, his early years. And uh, it just brought it all back to me. He's just a beast of a, of a fighter. And it was just awesome to watch against these guys who were the best at the time. And he just spit, he ate them up and spat them out within a round or two. Yeah. So, anyway, he's it down. It would be an interesting fight, wouldn't it? Ah, 100%. Like, but, uh, you know, you've seen the meme of poor old Evander Honeyfield's face mask where it's only sitting on one ear. Yeah, they could. Listen, it would it would make, if, if they did it for charity or whatever, it would make a fortune, as we all know. We'd love to see them at it. Yeah. Obviously, it'd be into, like, who knows what type of fight it'd be. But, yeah, the rumours are rife. If you look at him, check him out. He's in good. He's in good fighting shape, so yeah, watch that yeah, space. It'd be, it'd be certain, certainly interesting. Peter, Rugby Union. Rugby has proposals for both Six Nations and the European club season. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's, uh, it is only proposals at the moment. You're quite right, actually, Roy. But what, they're, what they want to do, whether or not it's going to happen or not, that remains to be seen. They want to move uh, the Six Nations to be pushed back from February uh, to run from April into May, that's being considered. Um, at the same time, the Southern Hemisphere's Rugby Championship, that also uh, normally is going to be scheduled from August, but that now they, surprise, surprise, want to go head-to-head with the Six Nations, if that is the case, mm. um, which could prove quite interesting, it has to be said, uh, not just for television purposes, but for playing interest as well, actually. Uh, again, these are all... Uh, proposals at the moment, I must stress, whether or not it goes through, I, I've got my doubts, to be honest with you, Roy, but, I mean, this is what they have been uh, proposing. Of course, two key issues to this. The first is, I mean, the Six Nations, for a start, has been going along for so many years, all right, before it was Five Nations, Four Nations, etc. But at the end of the day, it's still been uh, in the same block of the same time of year since, well, time was made, virtually. Um, it, it is a contest a tournament should i say that in the rugby calendar in my opinion you just can't move i think you you have to leave it there it's as simple as that what will happen is if they get the go ahead to start moving these particular tournaments both the southern hemisphere 
and the uh, Six Nations is the fact that you will then start getting probably even more of a conflict between club and the international side of the game as well, which I don't think is going to do not just clubs any good. I just don't think it'll do the uh, name of rugby any good. But again, these are all proposals at the moment. Of course, what with the uh, coronavirus situation as well, I mean, nobody knows at the moment, uh, for instance, in this country, when the Gallagher Premiership is even <laughs> likely, if at all, to finish uh, this particular season. So I think that's going to have an impact on the board's decision anyhow. And of course, at the end of the day, we just don't know uh, in that relation to that, whether or not the next uh, season of the Premiership, Gallagher Premiership, is going to start at a certain time. That's probably all going to be uh, ending up being put back as well. Uh, it'll also mean autumn internationals this year that were scheduled. I'm pretty certain you'll find that they uh, will obviously not take place. So there's going to be a lot of debate and everything as well. And um, at, at the moment, as I keep saying, it's only proposals uh, on paper. It's an idea, but I think realistically, boy, um, I just myself, I just can't see it coming off. No. Yeah. The time scale for that, that Six Nations change was 2022 start because the 2021 TV company deal has already penciled in. That's right. But yeah. the European yeah. club season, they're talking about starting at Christmas and finishing July. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, <laughs> to me, again, I mean, why why start tinkering with that? Or right, again, perhaps this year, yeah, I, I could appreciate it because obviously the situation that we all find ourselves in. But under normal circumstances, to me, I, I just can't see the point of that. I mean, for a start, you're talking so many months as well. And the, the actual European competition as it is, the actual scheduled planning of it, I think, works absolutely perfectly. Uh, yes, you do have breaks in between, which is understandable. And I think that's the right idea. But to start a competition then, as you say, and run it right the way through for, what's that, six months virtually, yeah. I, no, I mean, because the main problem as well is people will start losing interest in it. Also, you know, you have a competition. Yes, you want it over as quickly as possible. I don't, I don't mean crammed in together. No, you space it out to a point. But in my opinion, you don't just have something start in one month, say December, and by the July, hey, we've actually got to the final because it, it's far too long. And again. It's putting extra pressure on players as well. I mean, all these proposals with everything. At the end of the day, all these people, Roy, considering the players' uh, health, uh, the players' situation of getting worn out as well. Because remember, rugby is a physical sport. Remember, it does take a hell of a lot out of players. Believe you me, with injuries, probably more so than football, it has to be said also. So again, I don't really think they are considering the players' welfare as regard yeah. injuries and playing constantly for a, a year without getting any sort of break at all whatsoever. So yeah, well, to me, excuse the rugby term, I think we should put, uh, literally kick all of those into touch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well, their proposal, so that's to be seen. Uh, the the yeah. rugby's been fairly quiet about what they're doing and how they're coming back, but hopefully over the next couple of weeks that we'll hear a little bit more. Nathan, uh, the UFC... Provided us with live sport last night with UFC 249. Uh, I didn't get to see it, much of it. I got to see a, a little bit of it. It was hugely interesting to watch how sports may feel to watch with no fans. 
it was a bit strange to say the least when you could certainly feel how heavy some of those punches the fighters were. Yeah, it, it was pretty strange, wasn't it? Hearing yeah. some like hearing the actual the force of some of these shots that, that the lads take, like and the ladies take. Yeah. It really was, and um, and it was a couple of fights during the card. What I thought, God, imagine there was a crowd for this fight. They would yeah. be on their feet. The the place would be yeah. electric. So that was yeah. It felt that like I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great card, and a great night of fighting. But uh, you could feel it, and you could see moments where you, you'd think to yourself, "God, I'd, I'd love to see what what the reaction of the crowd would be like for this." Yeah. What? Uh, just quickly run through the show. Yeah. Uh, the the winners, losers, and and yeah, uh, and, and I'll run through some talking points from what happened. Um, the main event we best probably best place to start. Yeah. Uh, Justin Gagey is the new interim lightweight champion. Yeah. He dominated Tony Ferguson. Absolutely dominated him. Uh, now, credit to Ferguson, he took shots that I've seen like, that would probably kill most men. Like, the amount of punishment that man took in that fight was crazy. So he's, he's such a tough person, but just, this was uh, Justin Gaethje at his best. I was always a fan of Gaethje, but this is a different level. He was just so clean. Everything he threw found a home. It was very impressive to see, I have to say. I have to say. Um, so yeah, now uh, Justin Gaethje is now uh, the UFC interim lightweight, cha- uh, yeah, lightweight champion. A uh, bit of a talking point at the end when he was gifted his belt. He threw the belt straight on the ground. The Joe Rogan came over to interview him after the fight. He said, what did you do that for? Uh, he said, well, I don't want it. I, I want the real, the real one. That, that means nothing to me. And you <laughs> could see Dana White, Dana White in the background. He, he didn't look too impressed. You know, anyone that knows Dana White knows he has a bit of a temper. Yeah. And he did. And we got out of the cage pretty quickly after we seen the combat event. Again, yeah, it was a good fight. Henry Cejudo beat uh, Dominic Cruz. He um, retained his bantamweight championship. Um, it, it was a good fight. Uh, Dominic Cruz, this was his first fight in three years. He, he looked pretty good. He didn't really miss a step. He, his footwork, it, it's, it's always been out of this world. And his footwork still looked pretty good. But uh, Cejudo just destroyed him with leg kicks. Really slowed him down and uh, brought him to a stop. Um, he got a bit of a controversial finish. I've seen a lot of people online saying there might have been an early stoppage for a referee. Dominic Cruz himself uh, complained that was an early stoppage. But if you, I looked it back again and again uh, now today, and he took about 10 or 11 unanswered shots on the ground. He was trying to get back to his feet, but personally, I don't think there's much controversy in the stoppage. But uh, Dominic Cruz actually came out today and said um, that when the referee was up in his face and explained it, he could smell cigarettes and alcohol off his breath. <laughs> so... Jeez, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye and see how that goes. But I think the big talking point coming out of this fight is um, Henry Cejudo, who is the bantamweight champion and the flyweight champion, has retired. He announced after, after the fight that that's it, that was his last fight. He's told the three, he's won the two belts, he has an Olympic gold medal. He wants to go off now and start the family while he has. has all his emotions, you know, he's still a pretty good-looking guy. He can, still, he can talk very well. He's a big career ahead of him, really. Um, we'll move on then. Francis Ngannou uh, killed a man in 20 seconds. I, I felt like winning the guards and saying I, I witnessed an assault. I seen the knockout, yeah. yeah. He, uh, was he clean out? Out cold. Out for about a minute or two. He even got back up and the eyes were glassed. You could see it. He just didn't, he didn't know what was happening. God, it was, it was the, that, and Francis Ngannou was one scary man. That knockout power he has will, will hurt anybody. Uh, before that, then we had uh, Calvin Cater beat Jeremy Stevens. 
and probably one of the fights of the night. It was just it was like a fight ever. I mean, we'll be saying head down, punches thrown, just caution to the wind. It was a really, really fun fight. Uh, Jeremy Stevens got a pretty nasty cut towards the end of the fight, which did sort of brought the stop to the fight, got down, uh, and Taylor got the TKO win. And then to start off the main card, uh, Greg Hardy beat Jorgen de Castro uh, by decision. It was pretty plodding, uh, heavyweight fight, not much activity, not much action really. It was a pretty straightforward win for Greg Hardy. And then um, I'll just quickly go to the prelims too, not, not just going go into too much detail. Uh, Anthony Pettis be Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Again, another fun fight. Waves a close decision. Could have went to Cowboy, but uh, Pettis got the, his hand raised in the end. It's the Cowboy uh, finish now, Nathan. You know what? It's, it's, hard, it's hard to tell, really, with Cowboy. It really is. You know, he, yeah, he has that attitude of any place, any weight, any time, any person. He could pop back up in three weeks. Really cool. He's that sort of fighter. I, I looked at him against McGregor and I thought, oh, I wonder now, like, he, he got the big money fight. I wonder would he stepped down. No, he, he came back into it. But the only thing, he finds himself now on a four-fight losing streak, which I think if it was anybody else, he'd worry that he'd get, he'd get caught from the UFC. But Dana White loves this fight, these sort of fighters that are willing to get in at any stage and, and, and just have a fight. So I think he, well, he's, he, okay. he seems, he seems to talk about him as the, the, the nicest guy in the UFC. Yeah. He's starting to be very nice. At the end, he's hugging and yeah. nearly kissing and everything. It's like he's happy nearly to take the money now at this stage. Yeah, and that's that's the worry, isn't it? Like, if, if a fighter was going into a cage just for a paycheck, that's when you worry about them. That's when you worry about their health. Yeah. We're a big fan of Cowboy Cerrone, but even if, if I wasn't a fan, you'd hate to see somebody going in and just taking a beat and just... I'm not saying he, he's past it, but he still has ability. I just think that He's getting on now a little bit. He has a young family. I think now will be the time to, to think about retirement, yeah. even in the, in the near future. And then uh, we had uh, Alexi Olenek be free, so we're, uh, we're doing pretty again, pretty close fight. And then they had Carla Esparza be uh, Michelle Watson in a pretty again, close, close fight again. And then my fight tonight, personally, was the first fight in the prelims. It was uh, Vincent Lukey. I'm not getting that name wrong, but we go with it anyway. He beat Nico Price uh, by Dr. Stoppage. It was a nasty cut on Price's face, but God, this fight was just just madness. Like, I was afraid to even blink in case you missed anything. It was just constant. The pace these two men fought at was absolutely horrendous. Like, like, I was lying in bed watching it and I was, I was exhausted after it. Even looking at it, like, I'd go yeah. take a 20 minute nap. <laughs> was the, Nathan, was the night seen to be a success? It seemed to be, yeah, it seemed to be like a return to live sports and a return to some sort of mon- uh, normality. Like you're saying, those moments during it, where you, as a fan, you'd, you'd think, God, I'd love to see the crowds going wild for this fight. But overall, I think it was a success. I read in the reaction online this morning, a lot of people had nothing but positives to say about the fights, about the, about the structure of the card and about how things went. I suppose you could always say the only uh, little mark was that there was a fight cancelled uh, the day before due to one of the fighters being tested positive. Right. So unfortunately, coronavirus did rear its head in this situation. Mm. Okay, but overall it's success and probably bodes well for different sports, boxing, etc. I heard, uh, yeah. just before you wrap it up there, Roy, I heard something, I don't know whether uh, anything can say, I heard uh, certain fighters were changing their tactics because they could hear the commentators just yeah. outside the octagon talking about the yeah, fight, so they start um, mixing it up. <laughs> In, in the heavyweight fight, in, um, oh God, I think, I think it was the one on the prelims, the heavyweight fight, 
he was asked about, are oh, you seem to switch your stance in the second round? Are you seem to go for a different approach? And he goes, yeah, I could hear Daniel Cormier on uh, commentary <laughs> uh, point, pointing out my footwork was a bit off. So I thought, oh, I better change it up. <laughs> so so the, the important point is, if I keep it down, but you can't. In, in that line of work, you can't whisper, you know. That's good. It's good to see that a uh, bit of live sport back. Uh, and albeit you said there was one person who had coronavirus the day before, seemed to be fairly safe. Uh, Peter, have you got a story to finish off with? Yeah, I think probably the only, well, I thought the best one of the week was um, Gordon, um, Gordon Taylor, the um, um, PFA Dinosaur. man. Huh? Sorry, so you were saying Gordon Taylor, the, and I went dinosaur. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's he's known as quite a few things, actually. Uh, <laughs> David. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, I think he he came up with the most uh, amazing um, statement that I've ever heard. Actually, uh, he was proposing, due to the situation with a good way of getting football back, was to have reduced matches, i.e., a reduced first half and a reduced second half. Um, and I thought, okay, fine. But uh, the reduced first half and the reduced second half only amounted to five minutes. So instead of playing 45 minutes aside, he suggested to play 40 minutes aside because he reckoned <laughs> that that extra five minutes could be the difference between somebody actually coming into contact with the virus or not, as the case may be. Now, I can't get my head around that. Uh, perhaps you guys can, I don't know. But that, that to me was uh, the most ridiculous thing I think that's ever come out of his mouth, to be honest with you. I know he's come up with some strange uh, suggestions in the past, it has to be said, and he is getting on a bit, true, and some people feel he shouldn't be in charge of the, uh, the, the PFA, and uh, perhaps after a statement like that, you can probably see the reason why a lot of people are suggesting that, actually. So I think that has to be my uh, big story of the week, that day. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I saying that, I, I thought exactly like yourself, Peter, <laughs> what I was surprised by was there wasn't too much mention of it in a negative frame in any of the newspapers that I read or any of the TV stations. They seemed to just throw it out there. This is this is a possibility and no one questioned it. I didn't hear anyone, did you? No, I didn't, no, but uh, I questioned it. But <laughs> yeah. I was the only, perhaps I was the only one, Nathan. But to me, I just cannot... You know, I don't think it make any difference at all whatsoever, personally. I no, really I total agreement with you, Peter. I, I, it's, it, it's stupid. Yeah, correct. <laughs> David? Oh, yeah. I I, I kind of had, like, two little quick funny tidbits, and then I then I found the gold. Uh, NFL, Baltimore Ravens, Earl Thomas. Um, it's come out. Do you know the way they always have a bit of fun in the off-season, Shannon, and they always give us some funny stories when things go a bit wild when they're off for the six months well basically he was held at gunpoint by his wife after being found naked with his brother and several other women (laughs) he's been charged with (laughs) (laughs) right I'll start again (laughs) lockdown NFL (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) long story short and the guy thinks they're high skilled sweetheart so this is true love uh, they had a fight. He went off, and he booked an Airbnb apparently with his brother. And she broke in and allegedly uh, had him held at gunpoint. And he was naked in a bed with his brother and several women. Oh, and she's God. been charged now with uh, 
breaking and entering and intent for aggravated assault. So there you go. Be careful. Jesus. He dealt with that argument well, didn't he? Good God. (laughs) Exactly. And then the only little joke that I had is just to finish it. It's basically a tweet I've seen today, which is quite funny. Young Min's son has won more medals with South Korean military in three weeks than he did in his whole five years at Tottenham Hotspur, (laughs) which is true enough. I, I'm just worried that 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 fellow was in bed with his brother naked. <laughs> it would have been worrying if it was just mm-hmm. the brother, but um, anyway, well, who knows? Yeah. You, pause, you pause for a second and I was like, okay, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. to finish up with? Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Nathan, what have you got to finish? I found um, it's this is probably going to be the biggest transfer rumor of the summer. I'm not even joking oh. with this. That's, it Ooh. looks like Manchester United are going to be in a battle to keep uh, Odin Agalo. Saying that. Okay. Uh, as is his club in Shanghai wants him back uh, in point for July. That's when the Chinese Super League is looking to start back. And they've, um, they've valued the player up to upwards of £20 million. Pounds. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I personally don't think Agalo is £20 million pounds to be sitting on the bench. But some of the, that, those things are like his know. old friends. Yeah, it's hard Sorry, to know now, Nathan, isn't it? Because with the valuation of players more than yeah. likely going to plummet, 20 million oh, sounds yeah. awful, awful lot now, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. But, uh, but somebody that is sniffing around is Eric Good Friends, Newcastle United. I'm interested to bring them on board to this of the new, uh, the new regime that, is, that may or may not happen at Newcastle. 50 million. Yeah, they, they, they could, couldn't they? 50 million, not a problem. Stick them up with... Uh, yeah, uh, no, with, I... I think it's uh, Man United have to think very long and hard about this. Yeah, is he going to be someone that we don't even know what way the season's going to end now? Mm. We don't know what way it's going to start now, and they have to think about what way they were looking to purchase players in the summer transfer window as well. So there's a lot to think about. They'd know a lot more than we will know about who they were going to go for and had they started any negotiations with any other players. So he was always a stopgap. And he, in fairness, I liked him. I, I, yeah. I, I actually like him more than I like Martial. I don't rate Martial as a centre-forward. Mm-hmm. And I think Gallo is an out-and-out centre-forward. Uh, actually, in my opinion, they should swap Martial and, and, and Gallo. And I, I'd be happy. Yeah, I think man. a lot of people put Martial on a bit of a pedestal and he just hasn't improved at any time with the no. club. Like. At least, at least a guy will be fair to him. He looks like he actually wants to be there, unlike yeah. most of the squad, to be fair to him. Anyhow, we'll see who Man United decide to get. But yeah, I don't think they're going to pay that much out for them. And uh, Chinese football, you know, it's on the way down. There's a lot of clubs struggling financially over there. So it, it, there might be a deal there. The GAA firmly hopes for a championship in 2020, but with no inter-county games before October. They said that the, they're ruling it out because there's a lack of appetite to play behind closed doors. The government had said that July the 20th, the GAA could resume. So more than likely, it's going to be just club football. October, November, All-Ireland? Dave? Yeah, it's... <sighs> look, if you want your fix, it's, it's the best you can guess. To be honest, I, if, it's, if it's definitely going to happen and if it's a, it's a later time date, fair enough, I'd leave it to almost to the players. He's up for it because you you know the the they're amateurs and you know the sacrifice they have to to, to put into they basically they act professionally and they train professionally, but it's just it's for nothing in, in inverted commas. 
So I kind of almost leave it to them and say, look, we write it off and we go again as a normal season next year. Um, just, I don't know. It's Yes, for them, maybe for a bit of pride, but I think the fans could put up with wait until the following April, May, if needs be. Yeah, I suppose weather would play a big part and whether the yeah. the crowds are out or not. We've had we have a very stormy weather pattern in that time of the, at that time of the year mm. these days. So, uh, listen, lads, really good show. Delighted with everything. Uh, we will be back next week. Will we know more about the Premier League? Possibly not. <laughs> will we have watched any more sport? Possibly not. Uh, but hopefully, we start getting rolling so we can actually get back onto some subjects of true sport. Uh, we might yeah. all be UFC fans <laughs> for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Peter, thanks very much. Check out Peter's stuff on thebigkickoff.com. Some great interviews. Nathan, excellent again on thebigkickoff.com. A lot of League of Ireland material there that has been hugely popular and uh, really standing out. Really good stuff. Dave, yeah, we'll see you again next week. Um, and, uh, whenever you whenever you pick up a pen, just sitting I'll... on your arse. Yeah, no, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, listen, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, lads. <laughs> see you, Cheers, lads. lads. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks, Roy.